0: Thank you for downloading Fearless in Devotion, a podcast all about Wrexham AFC. Here
1: they come, our mighty
2: champions. Raise your voices to the anthem,
0: marching with Hello, Christ on all. Thank you for listening to Fearless in Devotion, the Wrexham podcast sponsored by your friend and mine, the Fat Boar Bar and Restaurant. Comfortable win in the FA Trophy for the lads yesterday. How about quick fire, one positive each. Tim, you go first. Uh,
1: Positive would be, I was going to go really obvious, but I'm going to go for Ponticelli getting his name on the score sheet. And in quite decent fashion, especially
0: the
3: second his second goal. Andy. Um Jordan Davis getting to ten goals. I think it's good that a midfielder hits double figures. I don't think it's happened for for a while. I how many did he get last season? Did he I know he had a late spurt, but I don't think he made double figures, did he?
0: I think he was eight or nine, was he, by the end?
3: Right, okay. Well it's good that you've got your main attacking midfielder getting to double figures, scoring goals. I know it's against lower you know, lower league opposition, but it doesn't matter. There's
4: confidence flowing through him. Long may it continue. Liam? Um, I think some people don't see him as fully fitting into this new team, but I think Kwame Thomas, you know, the fact that he's come on and scored again, I just think he offers something that we don't really have, which is someone to make it stick up top. So, you know, it's good to see him getting more game time and long may it continue.
0: Yeah, good to see Krami back out there. He kind of shinned his goal in, but that first one back is just needs to go in somehow, doesn't it? Any, any negatives about yesterday? The pitch. Yeah, good point. Uh, oh, What, the pitch? I don't know what happened. No before. one could stand up.
1: Yeah, it's like been a nice rink.
3: Yeah. So we don't think it's anything to do with it being relayed or anything. It's just, it was just a bad condition. So I think or... it was
0: just very wet. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's not much you can do about that, I suppose, but, you know, yeah. it was still wet. But that's that's clutching at straws, really. So, yeah, pretty positive week all round. Anyway, another week as a Wrexham fan, another week without that elusive midfielder we've been looking for since about 10 BC. Uh, no new signings. Tim, you tweeted there were players in the building this week. Can you uh, elaborate? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah. I mean, it is what it is, isn't it? Jesus
1: Christ. Um I was, I was led to believe there was. There might well be. Maybe they just haven't decided to announce it yet. Either way, I stand by my decision to tweet it.
0: And if I get shit from elsewhere, so be it. Well, they could have been in the building having discussions, couldn't they? You know? Exactly.
1: And unless you're camping out there going, who's this person? Who's that person? It doesn't really matter. But, you know, all I know is that Kwame does a shopping at Little. And Jordan Ponticelli likes to go to Boots and Eagles Meadow. And I know that for a fact because I, I witnessed that with my own eyes.
0: There you go. Anyway, Andrew Gilpin, you're a man with his nose constantly on the ground. Um, what uh, what can you tell us about any, uh, any potential sign-ins? Um, so,
3: my Wimbledon snout came up with the same information I'd heard that hundred and eighty grand bid for one of their players. Now, we were in for Woodyard earlier, but he doesn't think it's Woodyard. He thinks Woodyard's going to sign a new deal now I'd love it to be Woodyard, but it's probably pointing more towards Ollie Palmer six foot five inch. Uh, my mate says he plays well in patches, sometimes he's unplayable, sometimes it's like he's never played football before so it may, maybe dropping down two two leagues will will mean he's more consistent. Apart from that, I've heard uh, a midfielder from Cheltenham looking through their squad. They won't be happy with us going back again, but looking through their squad, maybe Connor Thomas, who I think is um a coventry uh, ex Coventry lad. Um, also, I've heard Theo Archibald from from Lincoln told he was left sided, but looking looking at it, he might be right sided. I don't know if it, they're looking at him as a as a wing back. Um, it says he's a winger, or but I was told more for the wing-back position. Who else? Um, was there was there anyone else? I think that's it. But, you know, of those, potentially one definite midfielder. But shouldn't we be signing two or three?
0: Why are we not? I mean, that's, that's got to be the priority, isn't it? I mean, I'm just going to reserve my judgment, obviously, until uh, midnight on the 31st of January, but... Liam, we need a midfielder, don't we?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's still situations like yeah, first half yesterday, I thought our midfield wasn't great. It's all really improved massively second half, but there were times where you know a team several divisions below were quite easily getting through our midfield. And I think it just, for me, it just highlighted the need really for oh, I, I I do think you've got to be looking at two. For me, the one that's you know. I'm happy for him to continue starting Jordan Davis. Um, Absolutely class. But we need a midfielder who can tackle, a midfielder who can get the ball started from the back. And I'm still not convinced by James Jones. So, yeah, ideally, I'd like to see two come in
0: Anyway, thank you for... All of your feedback for the um, Arsenal anniversary specials in particular and the Sam Ricketts podcast, you can send us any feedback on Twitter or by emailing fearlessintervotion at gmail.com. We've had a message back from Chris Firmston, who emailed us before about um, the disallowed goal, which wasn't actually for offside. It transpired in the Arsenal game. And Chris says, has anyone complained about the fixture schedule? It should be balanced, but after the next match away at Yeovil... We'll, it will be nine home games and 14 away. Two thirds of our away games played and we're only halfway through the season. We get these home matches back from the 26th, 26th of February through to the 18th of March when we play seven at home and two away. If we are within six points of the top when we start that run, I would expect us to be top when we finish it. Any complaints? Not with our home form. Bloody hell. Yeah We can bear,
3: We can barely I mean if it's not in the cup We haven't scored more than two uh, Well Two goals is
4: it? Can we swap some we of lost. those games? I mean I'm a, I'm a season ticket holder But I really don't mind if uh, If it means we do better
0: And to be fair Didn't two of the games were One game was cancelled recent obviously Because of Covid And then the first game of the season Was supposed to be at home But obviously ended up being Solly away Because of an outbreak In the Yeovil camp wasn't it? So so I get your point, but I think some of that's beyond our control, and you just got to roll with the punches. So let's hope that we can make the most of those home games and start scoring some goals. Time for this week's interview. This week, we've got another South Walian, about time, if you ask me, Andy Dibble, legend that he is, downloaded Zoom for the very first time to be able to join us. So we're very grateful for that. But we are sorry for a couple of sound quality issues because of that, particularly for a short period right at the end, but there were some gremlins in the system. However, the vast majority of the chat is in good quality and we hope you enjoy it.
3: It had been a problem position for Wrexham since the departure of Andy Marriott, a number one priority we just couldn't fix. Mark Cartwright, Kevin Dearden, Christian Rogers, Dave Walsh, Maris Robder, we even had Tommy Wright, but it was all mostly wrong. Until Dennis Smith gave a home to a player who went on to be a massive favourite. A giant of a man who was as good on the one to one as I can remember and the last Rexham goalkeeper to taste promotion. He was massively important in and around the dressing room as we went on that run towards the end of 2002 and 2003 and had a real Indian summer to his career. So let's see if goalkeepers are really as mad as they think they say they are as we welcome our very first custodian on Feelus and Devotion. How are you, Andy Dibble?
2: Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. Uh, Really pleased to be on the show this evening.
3: Oh, no, great to have you. Right. In true sort of keeper style, we're going to warm up with a couple of drills, right? (laughs) A couple of quick fire questions. What was your nickname at the club? (laughs) Dibs. What was your Wrexham Davy? Can you remember the club?
2: Yeah, my Davy was against uh, Steve Evans, Boston United on a hot ah. sunny day in oh, yeah. August.
3: Steve Evans, what a guy. I don't even think he's managing now, is he?
2: Steve oh. uh, then became my manager at Rotherham United when I was goalkeeper coach there. So I remembered him uh, <laughs> from play- from playing that day and re- realising how passionate he-, he can be on the touchline. In- 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 I remember coming off that day thinking I'm absolutely shattered. It was one of the warmest first games of the Sorry, it was my it was the second game of the season, but obviously my debut.
3: Yeah. No, no, I can remember. I think it was a one-all draw, wasn't it? Seem seem to remember.
2: I think we won the game the week before we might have drawn at Scunthorpe. Hmm. Yeah,
3: This game, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, of course that's where Wayne broke his leg, wasn't it? By the way, Steve
0: Evans Steve Evans was sacked by Gillingham last week.
3: Was he? Yeah. I've seen that in the media. I've seen that, Steve's yeah. gone. Yeah. Uh, he'll be back in somewhere. He'll, <laughs> yeah, right. he'll be back in Peterborough or, or, or somewhere soon. Um, right. Can you name your sponsors at Wrexham? So there was two shirt sponsors. <laughs> I can't remember. That one, I'm sorry. First I, one was a recruitment company. Yeah. Uh, Tim, do you want to go? Gap Personnel. Yeah. Gap. And, then the second, Gap.
1: and the second one was Just
3: Go. Yeah, no, gaffed. you're right. It was gap. And a final question for the for, for the keeper warmer was who was in your
2: carpool? Myself, Darren Ferguson, Brian Carey, and Jim Whitley. Right. Did oh, Karen ever take yeah. for the petrol? <laughs> Paul Edwards as well, but we kept running out when he was driving. <laughs> 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 did
1: Jim did Jim do all the singing in the car? Because he's a hell of a singer, isn't he?
2: He used to sing to us regularly, yeah, for a bit of fun and on the bus and not on away trips and everything. Uh, great voice, persons. person. Yeah, good lad, good lad.
3: So take us back to 2002, I think it was May 2002, which is almost 20 years ago now, Andy. Um, was it an easy decision to join
2: Wrexham and how did it come about? It was a fantastic um, decision to come and join Wrexham. Um uh, Dennis had got in touch with me uh, personally. Um, probably by then I'd had enough of travelling as well, going year there and everywhere, being a bit of a journeyman, as we all know. And the chance to you know, travel across from Cheshire, which was my base for a long time and um, the town of Wilmslow, was fantastic. And I knew I was joining a club that I'd always fondly admired. Um, I knew that there was a good squad of players being assembled and I knew that they were going to try and have a go for promotion. So. For me, it was a it was a no brainer, and exciting times ahead. Yeah, I mean, as we said before, that it was the first time
3: that we've uh, sorry, the last time we've been promoted as as a football club. I mean, when you sort of came in, did you sort of think that there was a nucleus of a promotion-winning team? I know you said they were going for it. Did you sort of think in the first training session, you know, what we we got some talent here?
2: Yeah, I like, did. You, I could, you know, I like, think I'm a pretty good judge. I could sense straight away that the. Uh, it was a good squad of players there, and, I, and I, th- I thought that we would we would definitely, and that was from day one in the you know the preseason. I definitely thought you know we'd have we'd have a chance. You could see that there was you know, the right players in the right positions, and obviously a very very good experienced manager that knew what he was doing. Yeah, and so
3: uh, at the early days, you were sort of vying with with Christian Rogers for the for the number one, weren't you? I mean, Christian had been been around for the club for, for a little bit. I always thought he was a bit too nice. I thought. He, I've just wanted him to shave his head and, you know, get a face tattoo and just sort of shout at people. But he, he never really, he never really did, did he? He was a bit of a, he was, he was a very solid keeper, but I, I just wondered if you sort of thought there was something yeah, maybe he, he needed he to be a bit more nuts.
2: And it, it, it could be, he could be quite right. I would never want to question Christian's personality because he was a smashing kid, a lovely lad, and a really good goalkeeper. Um Obviously, as you know now, I'm I'm the goalkeeping coach. The day and age of the of the people that were ranters and ravers like myself and grabbing all the people and uh, seem to have gone. Uh, sadly, it it doesn't happen a lot. You know, I try and say to my lads, now come on, don't be don't be so nice. You know, the players, in my opinion, and I'm not having to go in the modern day area. It's a it's a different way now. It's a, it's a different culture that that doesn't happen as much. Um, you know, having a go at your teammate, and then it's forgotten. It, it doesn't seem to go on as much, which is sad in my day and age. But I'll just think of an instance at Luton where I haven't come for a cross. I got somebody like Steve Foster, you know, grabbing mm. me around the neck, saying, "Why have you come for that ball? It's just come in the six-yard box." Those things don't happen anymore, sadly.
3: Do you, do you think goalkeepers aren't as nuts as they used to be then? Because that's the old sort of adage, isn't it?
2: Uh, I, th- I think, I think so, yeah. Because obviously, look at the goalkeepers. You know, this evening I've been talking to Tony Colton. In the last couple of days I've been talking to Andy Goham and people like that they were all they were all misters. I call them misters you know they were all men nowadays, not saying they're not men these days, but it, it's just a fact of the, the change of times that it isn't like it used to be you don't see people coming out and having a set to anymore. Mm. And something I sort of touched on on
3: the on the uh, on the beginning. I I always thought, and I, I noticed this early early on when in your reps career. I always thought you were really good on on one-on-ones. Is that something that you were aware of? Is it something that you sort
2: of trained for? I probably. I didn't do as much work on it as they do in in our day and age. I mean, we do a lot of work on that now. Um, I think sometimes you can have that naturally. Mm. You can have that naturally in your body in. in in your game, um, it was something that I, was, I became quite strong at. Nowadays, they use different types of saves, you know, block saves. I was more into coming and using my own body, with, you know, hands and feet first, be prepared to take one. It goes back to what we were just talking, be prepared to take one in the face. I'm not saying now goalkeepers ain't brave, but they don't go as much with their hands and their face as they do. They, they'll try and use their feet. Um, it's interesting. The, the games change a lot, and there's a few more different techniques and styles that are added. And mm. by no means criticizing John Burridge. I'm not drained name dropping. A, I speak to John via uh, social media, and John Burridge is somebody I looked up to when he was. He he is one that does um, go against the way things are today. But it's all about personal opinion, you know. I try and say the, the main thing for me nowadays is. You keep the, try and keep the ball up the net, keep the ball up the net, and then we'll analyze it after. yeah, you can keep the ball up thinking... the net it hits you in the face, you've done your job. If you keep the net ball up the net it hits your feet or your elbow, you've done your job.
3: yeah, absolutely. the one to ones. do you think it's sort of because you were sort that sort of brave sort of keeper, do you think that's sort of that added to your injuries, especially to,
2: to the end of your career? Yeah, definitely, I think so. I mean, I picked up some nasty injuries as well. Uh, through that looping on the <clears throat> on the AstroTurf and you always look at the appearance record Now I, I think I've will have had close to 450 league and cup games with the cup games in there but I know probably I've probably lost 150 from being brave and, and getting booted in the knee and my elbows and face and you know, so but I, I can't complain because I've enjoyed my career and I'm, I'm still involved and I love what I'm doing now
1: I like the fact that we've got some of the very old school on the podcast after so many uh, not powder puff interviews but somebody who's going to tell it how it is how it was how it should be and how it might how it should be in the, in this day and age so it's always good to hear. I'm just going to pick up Andy what you said to Andy G earlier on when we started this. You said that when when the Wrexham Move came about um it was a club that you kind of had uh, some some uh, admiration for before joining where did that come from? Was it just a case you were aware of the club? Was it a case of Man City and, and Wrexham Crossing Swords in the past? I'm just trying to get an idea where that admiration had come from.
2: I think obviously being a passionate Welshman, I know um, from going there uh, with Wales under twenty-one and, and being there with the national team. You know, I was obviously a very, very proud Welshman, seeing the facilities that were there and Speaking to the lights in them days. You know, I like, always remained friends with Joey and Nicky and, and people like that, Eddie Niswicky. And, and they've all, they, all those people had spoke highly of, of the club and you know, kind of a word of mouth thing, really. Um, and a big club that, in my opinion, should be far higher than it is, but this hope that in the future they can move forward. Uh, so it, it is still, in my eyes, a sleeping giant can you believe it's
1: you? You were the last goalkeeper to win a promotion-winning medal with the club. It's <laughs> 20 years ago.
2: I know that. Um, it, it's strange, and I really want them to to get back into league football. There was only one thing I was. I, I, I think I got close to uh, the clean sheet record. I think was it with Dai? Was it with Di Davis? I think.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think
2: I had about eight or nine or I'm not certain what it was, but that was another. Uh, A proud achievement for myself as well as a promotion so I know it was close in this and I don't know how many it was in the trot you might be able to find that out some stage but obviously it's exciting times now I mean the past has gone and they've got new owners and let's hope that they can uh, get back in the football league
1: yeah well fingers crossed we'll see what happens um before I, I, I think Reese is probably dying to ask a question. I'm going to, actually, I'll, I'll let him ask a question. Then I'm, I'm going to come back because you've been involved in a lot of my favourite games, which I kind of want to take. See if you can take us through some of them. Um, but I'll just see what Reese is going to say.
0: Well, as we were talking about promotion, there obviously we mentioned that we're looking for to get promoted for the first time since uh, 2003. Um, I mean, we've had a couple of members of that team on, uh, and I remember in particular asking Andy Morell, you know what obviously, there's no exact formula for promotion, but what is it do you think that was special about that team because it was it was really a run at the end of the season that 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 did it but do you was there a special sort of team spirit what kind of
2: yeah i I've, I've been lucky enough to be um promoted on several occasions as a player and several occasions as a coach unfortunate so two back to back promotions as a coach one at Wotherham, one at Peterborough, and I've been promoted to the Premier League with Cardiff. There's four or five in there as a player, but one one thing that all those teams have had in abundance is a fantastic team spirit, Uh, united, unity together, Um, the willingness to go through a brick wall for each other. Uh, It counts for a lot. I mean, when the Cardiff City team got in the Premier League, I wouldn't say we were the most gifted, but we had a fantastic team spirit and we went till the end in every game. Obviously, we had Certain individuals had a bit of flair. That Wrexham team that got promoted, I would say, had a lot of flair in, in a lot of positions. Hmm. But as I said, we had a great bond, a great bonding together. And
0: obviously, we're going to talk more about Christian later, but um, uh, what, what does he tell you about the spirit in the camp at the moment? Is there is there a good team spirit there?
2: Yeah, he's, he's, he's touched on that. He said, he, you know, we, we talk regularly, as you can imagine. He said the team spirit's fantastic. He said it's really exciting. Um, the, the difference, transition and change, and it's no criticism of you know, when it was on by the fans or whatever. Uh, things are done a lot more professionally at the club now, i.e. the travel, the food, the training, um, which all augurs well for the future. I mean, if, if you mean to do it right, they're going in the, in the positive and proper way. Yeah,
1: I'm just looking... The, he was essentially there for three seasons when you at at Wrexham. Some, you know, there's a few injury issues to be expected. But just going back to a couple of the games, I, I can't remember this off the top of my head. The, the Everton game in the Coca-Cola Cup, obviously Paul Whitfield played in that. Were you injured for that one? I can't remember. I can't remember what the reason was. You Because you started the next game versus Cambridge.
2: Yeah, no, I think which was given a run out.
1: Right. Okay, I can't remember. I mean I, I,
2: my most disappointing... Thing for me was at the end where you know, I did damage my thing, and I came back from that. But the most disappointing thing for me was at the end. But that was, I think, far the time calling end on my career. Where I still wanted to keep going, but my hip flexor was gone. I, I was just struggling to kick the ball.
1: Well, I think yeah. I mean, the the, the hip flexor. I mean, well, I might as well come on to it now, really. I mean, the, the hip thing. That kind of it kind of maybe was the beginning of the end for your playing career, but then that opens the door for the start of a very promising career in the form of Ben Foster. He comes in and um, he's done all right for himself, hasn't he? I know, I know you've gone on record to say that you always knew he was going to be a very good keeper and he's played at the highest level. I mean, what a story that's been for him.
2: Yeah, it was, it was great. I mean, if I can talk about that quickly, that was a, that was a really good time for me because, Mark, I couldn't take myself all the time. Dennis had always said to me when I came in, you know, concentrate solely, especially in the first and the second year, you know, playing and looking after yourself. I did a little bit, but Mark Morris was brilliant. Mogsy came in, took me, kept me fresh, kept me ticking over. Then later on when I, I started to pick up the injuries, I started doing more work with the goalkeepers and, um, we talked about uh, Ben, brought him in, and I, I just said straight away, this lad's going to be, it." you know, I'm not saying I was the making of his career, but me and Mark both sort of like looked at him and thought, wow, this lad's got everything. Uh, and he went on to to have a fantastic career, as we know. So I still bump into him down the line, and we always have a laugh because he says to me, Dibs, the end of your career was the beginning of mine. So uh, it's a nice little story for me to have. Um, Quite proud, really, because we still keep in touch, and he's a fantastic lad, um, great goalkeeper, and a gentleman as well.
1: We've touched on a few goalkeepers so far. We've mentioned Wits, we mentioned Ben Foster, mentioned Christian Rogers. There's a couple of others in there. I may have missed a few off, but obviously there was Mark Baker, if I remember rightly, him with the blonde hair, um, and a certain Xavi Valero. And there's Everybody's got a fun story <laughs> about Xavi Valero. I'm pretty sure you must have a fun story about about him somewhere because I can't believe the career he's gone on to have post-playing. Nobody would have ever put him alongside being a great goalkeeping coach alongside Rafa Benitez everywhere he's been. What what did you make of Xavi? Because it's pretty clear what a lot of fans thought of him at the time in that where we got this guy from.
2: Again, he was, he was a great person for some reason. Um, it just didn't go well for him on the field. Um it's difficult for me to answer that why the reason why um, it wasn't for the the for lack of work ethic or you know he, on the training ground he, he he did really well he just when he went into games it didn't work for him and obviously we all know the biggest thing about goalkeeping is you judge by your mistakes and not the saves you make so he made some errors that he he's man enough to admit he, he did make um and obviously it he was, he was frowned upon by the rex and faithful but he's gone on to be a a great coach and i know it was a difficult time for him when he was playing and nobody nobody liked to see anybody make mistakes um i sat in the stand 2 years ago and watched my own son make mistakes at um filed and it broke my heart i was i was in tears when i left you know
1: is that because because like you said that there's the so much scrutiny like you know strikers are expected to score goals Goalkeepers are expected to keep the ball out of the net, so there's there's an extra spotlight on them, if you like. And if if it doesn't go according to plan, there's a little bit of not not getting thrown under the bus, but it just feels that there's that added pressure and, and added criticism. Is is that is that the reason that you felt that because because he's a decent keeper, isn't he, your boy? We'll come to that. But is,
2: yeah, is that- no, yeah, I might jump forward there then. Yeah, yeah. Just going back to goalkeeping in general. It, it is, it, you can be brilliant for eighty nine minutes, um, make a mistake, and you're the villain, and not the hero. That is just part and parcel. It's the most uh, difficult position in the field. And as you quite rightly said, a striker can miss a tap in from two yards, and if he scored one early on and haven't lost the game, he's not he's not he's not the he's not the villain like the goalkeeper.
1: Yeah. So with with Zavi, do you think he just didn't understand? Or he just couldn't settle into a, a proper match atmosphere over here because of, you know he's so good in training, and it just didn't happen for him in the games. I mean, I don't know if there was a, a language barrier or whether he just—it was just one of those that just didn't go. Just, the fit wasn't.
2: Yeah, it didn't it, did, it? Didn't click, and it's difficult to put to put your um, your finger on sometimes because he, he he had the ability for certain, he just he made a couple of mistakes that were highlighted, um, and it is. It, it's just difficult when when that happens to you try and recover. Um, it doesn't always work for you.
3: Yeah, Andy, as as a goalkeeping coach, what would you say to to Zavi now? Like if he just had a couple of mistakes, how would you
2: sort of try and pull him round a little bit? I think the biggest thing is you you know you you've got to just keep putting your arm around them, keep uh, working them on the things they're good at probably don't even need to show them where they've gone wrong because if it's that bad, they'll know anyway. Sometimes you can talk about positional errors and this, that and the other. But when it's a blank net, it goes through your legs. It, the, the lads, are, they, they know. So there's no need to, to persecute them even more. I mean, obviously, video analysis and goal analysis is used regularly. You know, we use it all the time. But when a big error comes, sometimes... It, it, last season, Alex Smithies was... Um, he was outstanding when we played against Brentford live on the TV and I think on about 76 minute ball gets it from the edge of the box and characteristic for Alex it goes straight through the middle of him through his legs um, and up until then he'd been outstanding It touches back on what we were talking about this morning but you know, it was what I kind of went the other way and he was a bit down. We put a compilation of his best saves together and sent it to him to, to, to kind of lift him, you know?
3: When you sort of think about the, the moment that filled you with pride most playing for Wrexham, do you have anything in mind?
2: Well, the answer to that is the last game of the season at Berry at Gig Lane.
3: Ah, yes. Ah, what
2: a season. But it, it it was my birthday. We had a big birthday celebration that weekend on the Sunday. Um, uh, everybody came to me house in Wilmsville, the chairman, Dennis Smith, all the players, all the wives. And it was it was just any promotion um, is fantastic. But that one was extra special because it was on the 40th birthday.
1: What was your, what, were, what were your memories of that day? Because immediately when you said Berry, all I can remember are balloons, a lot of balloons, a lot of noise, a packed, sold out away end. Did we win that? Was it 3 1, 3 2? We definitely won. 3
2: 2, I think it was, yeah. Um, but when you start the season off, and like I touched on earlier, and you look and see and think, yeah, we've got a good chance to go to that Canal game and realise your goal has been acquired it, it, just a, an amazing feeling to come off that pitch at the end and one of the best promotions i've had because it was on my birthday weekend so extra special how messy was that party i can tell you some stories um kevin russell was <laughs> kevin russell was on his, on his best behavior and. Uh, I think he uh, ended up putting on some ladies clothes which <laughs> 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 he bought clothes of ladies in the back <laughs> okay. did he bring his own ladies clothes or
3: I got visions
1: of Kevin Russell dressed as Marilyn Monroe I don't know why but it's very disturbing Christ
3: I'm thinking more Sinead O'Connor to be honest but yeah. the chat, yeah. um, <laughs>
2: it, 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 it was a brilliant brilliant weekend Well I'll never forget <laughs>
3: That,
1: you mentioned you mentioned the Berry game At, what what kick started that run because I'm pretty sure I think did we win like fourteen games in a row to, to basically that that surge to promotion it was just win after win after win after win for about three months yeah. solid
2: well you were right we were like a steam train himself was not stopping us and you get that that roller coaster effect that keeps going and going and going um and i i when you start getting on that run of five, sixes, you know, you, it just gives you so much confidence.
1: That's what Wrexham needs nearly 20 years on. It would be nice if it happens again, so we'll see. We shall see what happens there.
0: In terms of that team, was there, was there a particular player that stood out for you? Was there someone that you just really enjoyed watching on the ball from sort of your vantage point at the back?
2: Yeah, I mean, I thought... The, the, Truns and Andy Murrell were a special partnership. They were really special. I mean, mm-hmm. you could go right through the team. You know, I wouldn't want to miss anybody out. We had the Edwards on, you know, the, we had quick players. We had those those two up front for me were different class, you know, and we had a solid back three we played them. We obviously were the wing backs. But, but Truns, I suppose, was, a, was a, a character and a fantastic individual that could you know, he's got some special goals, and in, in 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 a promotion team, you do need goals, don't you? So he's got some special goals along, alongside Andy.
0: And Trundle's a type of player that you're very glad is on your side, not the others, because he has got a tendency to make goalkeepers look like mugged from about thirty yards with those lobs. So
2: yeah, uh, and again, great great guy, great character, and still bumping him now and again. He hasn't changed at all.
1: What was your What was your favourite game for Ex and andy? Because the reason I asked that, I'm gonna I'm gonna chuck a couple of of, of mine. At you in a minute where you started is there anything in particular that stands out there, it? there
2: was one game in the second season I think it was it, I hate seeing managers lose their job but it was when we went to Tramia and um, it probably one of on my best games in a Wrexham shirt um, sadly I think Ray Matthias was manager and lost his job but it was probably one of the games where I thought you know I could have stopped anything there do you know what I mean it was the one game where I, I thought you know I truly had an exceptional performance
1: was that the uh, Sean Holmes volley yeah Sean the yes. Hammer Holmes I think
2: yeah yeah. Sean it was the same game as the Sean Holmes volley yeah you're right some goal that some hit yeah
1: unbelievable so what about I'm going to chuck two in mind. they're slightly left field they might might not be as obvious as, as what you might think Sheffield Wednesday away. This always is a big one for me because I'm thinking that they dropped so far, yet yeah, they were still commanding crowds of 5,000 people. We won that 3-2, if I, if I remember off the top of my head. Can you remember much about that game? Because I'm sure it was a Sunday. Or yeah,
2: Sunday. It, was a save that, it was a save that popped out in my mind there. Um, funnily enough, against big Sheffield Coochie where he was clean through one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that stands in my mind. It was a great day and a great victory.
1: Some some crowd. I, don't know, I don't
2: know for a fact. I remember it well because Sir Alex was in the stand.
1: Oh, right. Okay. Did you did you get to did you get to meet him with him afterwards, or was it a case of does he just disappear after a game? I don't I don't know what he was doing there at the time.
2: Yeah, no, I um, developed, um quite a good friendship, obviously, knowing Sir Alex through Darren, and then yeah. later on when I went, when I went and worked with for Darren at Peterborough, yeah, um, we saw him regularly because when he came out the games, he'd come in the office. The only thing was our red wine wasn't good enough for him down
3: there, so <laughs> too, cheap. Yeah, too cheap. Yeah, yeah.
1: Never mind. Now that that was one one hell of a day. It's it's I can't believe, I still can't believe it's that long ago. But yeah, I, I remember that well. And the other one, slightly different. Um, Hector Sam hat trick at Oldham. I just kind of feel like I want to get one of those t-shirts that says I was there when Hector Sam scored a hat trick because. Well, he was a bit of an enigmatic player wasn't he sometimes yeah,
2: I mean, I, I, you know like i said i didn't want, I don't want to miss anybody out because there's so many names within that squad that all played their bit and uh, hector obviously was a, an unbelievable individual and he could come on and change games um and score world class goals that, that you're quite rightly talking about um so going back to squads he was one that you could always you could, he could come on and change a game and that night, you're right. I mean, he scored unbelievable. Effort.
1: What was he like as as a person? Because he kind of always strikes me as this player that uh, it's almost like they've won a competition to be a part of a football team. He's just like bouncing around, happy, joy, just, just, just. It just seemed to me that he was loving every day. he Was there like he'd been given this opportunity? The most
2: happiest man I've ever played with in football. <laughs> a very rare. I don't think I ever see seen him. Um, a little bit down or flat. He was always smiling. He had a beautiful, a wonderful smile on his face and was such a nice guy. I mean, he was he was forever smiling, Mr. Smiley, you know?
1: Yeah. Do you think he could, he could have um, sort of made the same levels as what Carlos and, and Dennis did? I can't remember. I think it might have been Carlos that actually told us on there that he, he maybe didn't really back or believe himself as much as he could have done.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. He um, should have had more self-belief. Um, should have gone on to better things really uh, definitely had the potential to play higher um, difficulty again another one you, you, I would have thought you'd have gone on to bigger and better things but didn't <laughs>
3: What we do is we have five very quick-fire questions. I know I warmed you up with the keeper warm-up, but these are these are sort of more sort of more about your teammates. So off the top of your head, who is the most skillful player during your time at Wrexham? Uh, Lee Trundle. Yeah, just different gravy to like a lot of people said Carlos for the same time, but for you definitely Trundle.
2: Uh, different types of players. Carlos obviously more for the running up, more of carrying the ball up the pitch. I think Trundle was quite skillful. He could take balls in tight areas with his back to goal and finish. Also, uh, like we talked about earlier, goals outside the box. So, Trundle on the skill side would just edge it for me.
3: Who is the worst dressed? And we can't have Kevin Russell as a, um, as a woman. That might be the best dressed. I don't know. You might make a, you might make a great <laughs> woman.
2: Worst dressed, I'm going to go for Kevin Russell. <laughs> <laughs> Best well,
0: Andy make sure you send this podcast
2: I'm going to let you into secret I'm going to say Kevin Russell because he forever battered me about my gear and I remember one situation at Peterborough where he was coach he caught on one of my jumpers and went and jumped around it in the mud in the goalkeeping area and it was a Christmas present and he made me very upset <laughs> oh, to, to, did, to did be he... honest
0: didn't Rooster nominate the, uh, Andy for Worst Dressed in his quickfire round? I, I bet he did. <laughs> I think he may have done mine. Yeah. yeah. Russell put a lot of people to the
3: sword. That was two hours of just two hours of piss-taking. Everyone got it. You certainly got it. But it's good that he's getting a little bit back now. Right. Well, we
2: still speak, we still speak regularly, so I'll make sure I remind you in the next couple of days. Who was the biggest moaner? Dan in Ferguson. <laughs> I mean, there's
3: of a certain area. Uh, so it's a certain area that it's always Darren Ferguson. Definitely
2: Darren, and he's still staying now.
3: Who was the most underrated in that squad? Who didn't really get the plaudits that they should have really got? Paul Edwards. Ooh, right. Nice. Yeah. Not come up before. I mean, he was a vital part of that team, wasn't he? He balanced out Carlos yeah. so well, didn't he?
2: Yeah. Carlos got all the plaudits more on the other side. Hmm. And the last
3: one, I'm going to change it a little bit because I I normally have who's the tightest of money. But from now on, I'm going to change the last question. It's who is the hardest? Who wouldn't you want to fight?
2: Brian Carey. Oh, yes.
3: Do you know what? I wouldn't want to fight Brian Carey either. Because
1: big reach, big He, you wouldn't mess with him. Slugger, definitely. Yeah. Was was it? Was there anything there that that you that made you think that? Or was just because he's always been a token tough guy from Cork, or was there anything in training where you thought I'm definitely not going to mess about with him?
2: I became very close to big uh, Brian. Obviously, playing behind him and traveling in with him and getting to know him as a person on on and off the field. Um, quiet man, very very knowledgeable man, still is to this day. But you could tell. Um, when you're in his company, that you couldn't mess about with him, and going back to what we talked about earlier in the first part of the interview about telling people and grabbing them, you know, not, grabbing them by the throat, as in verbally grabbing them, Ryan was with all of those. He was a leader, and he was inspirational, and he was a Mister, he was a man,
1: Mister Carey. Not to be messed with, definitely. Before before we go on, I still I still think we we've kind of, if you excuse the pun. We've kind of skirted around the Kevin Russell in women's clothes thing. So we can either, yeah, you can either confirm or deny it was proper women's clothes or is it women's underwear? We have to we have to we have to push you on this because <laughs> I wanna know. He stitched you up, it's your turn to stitch him up. Um it might have been the second one.
3: Oh, there you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Roostering and suzies and uh, suzies. that's that's frightening, yeah, terrifying. And heels probably. There we are.
3: Andy, should we talk about Christian? Um, yeah. Because, obviously, he's been at Wrexham for, for a few years now. Um, when, he, when we came in, I'll be honest, I didn't know much about him because he hadn't, I, I don't think he really came through the normal route, did he? I don't think he... Was he, he, was he at a, a, a sort of a league club and then dropped down or did he sort of come yeah. down from, from the uh, lower leagues?
2: He'd been to Nuneaton and then he came from... We were in the conference, obviously. Then he came from Nuneaton to Wrexham.
3: Yeah, and sort of, when did you sort of see, like, wh- while he was growing up, when did you sort of think, hang on, this lad could, could be a keeper here? And did you push him towards that, or did he just want to do it
2: himself? No, he wanted to do it himself. Um, obviously, I looked at all his junior games, and then for a couple of years, I managed his junior team with a friend of mine, um, Wilmslow Sports. And then he had the chance to go to Bury. He went to Bury, signed a schoolboy, and then Barnsley took him off very him an apprentice at 16, 17, 18. It just didn't quite work out for him at Barnsley. Um, but obviously he's built up a decent enough reputation now in the conference. Um, it's been tough for him, but, you know, I always try and just give him words of encouragement because, like I said, I sat there that night in the filed, made some good saves, and made a couple of errors, and I went away from the game just, thinking bloody hell, and I know how he was feeling but I felt equally as bad it was a difficult night for me but credit him um, he's fought hard stuck at it and I think the Rex fans are behind him and they Rex in a fortunate position that they've got two very good goalkeepers that can both do the same job
3: yeah I was going to actually ask that. I mean, how does the criticism that, that that Christian got that night how does it affect you? And is it does it affect you worse than when you were playing? Because you know, obviously, this is your lad, isn't it?
2: Yeah, good question. Uh, probably when it's my own goalkeepers at the club or you know whatever club I worked at, I find it hard. But when it's your own son, it's twenty times worse, you know. Yeah, because you know I want him to do so well and. He's really enjoying himself at Wrexham. Like I said, he loves he loves being there, and there is a buzz about the place. He does want to get promoted, like the rest of the lads. And you know, one thing I want to do, I mean, I know we can play. I want to see him make his debut in the football league. So, I'm I'm quite optimistic about Wrexham this season. I think they can do it. Personally, I think they can do it. On on that, I mean, I suppose most of us, you know, we do our jobs,
0: and we we all have bad days, uh, but then we don't come home. And then read sort of tweets and messages on forums. Slagging you off, saying you rubbish. I you know, slag well, you off online after every time to I see you on BBC Wales. Recently. I was going to say if you had a look at my sort of Twitter mentions recently, I would take that back because I very much have had uh, quite a few <laughs> messages. However, generally speaking, I don't. Right, you have a bad day, you can go home, you have a beer, you you sort of write it off. And I, you know, if you hear the, these players say like, you know, I don't pay any attention to the papers or the forums, I can tell you, if I was a player, I'd 100% read the, fa- the forums, like 100%. Uh, it must be difficult. And do you think that, like, some people don't realise what they're saying sometimes? You know, usually these conversations would be confined to a pub, wouldn't they? Whereas now, people are putting things in an open forum, you know, the equivalent to 30 years ago of a newspaper, that they would never say to someone's face, you know?
2: Yeah, listen, you spot honest, difficult times and the ones that say they don't, Read it. I'm. I'm not so certain about that because, yeah, and they get alerted by their friends. It, it, it's difficult times for sure. I mean, I've got to be honest. From I didn't have to deal with that as much as a player for sure. I took criticism in the press, i.e. the Nottingham Forest goal. You know, it's still it's still it's still there now for people to talk about them. Um, it's talked about more now probably since Twitter and Facebook <laughs> and that. And, you know, it's still it's still out there, but. Yeah. During that time, all I had to deal was with the papers at the time, which was tough enough anyway. But
1: hmm.
2: um, it, it wasn't a message for then. They might have been, um, a fanzine, a magazine, you know, where you. But it, it always found your way. That that magazine found its way to myself somehow. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I suppose that must be difficult for goalkeepers as well, because that's sort of Tim mentioned earlier. There's
0: that extra pressure, isn't there? That, and you know, yeah. and, and you mentioned some of the mistakes that Christian has, has made in the past. It, it, it must be difficult
2: psychologically to deal with it. Yeah, definitely, I and mean, I think the big, biggest thing for Christian is as well. I mean, which I credit him because he's come through and he's done really well this season. I've, as you know, I've beat some of the games when he's played, and he's done really well. I've seen the games on TV where he's played well, um, but probably sometimes it might not be easy for him as well with knowing that I've been at the club and I had a successful time at the club and it went really well for me. So he's probably always looking over his shoulder as well. I you know I've been there and played, but. Going back to what I've said, he, I, th- I think he's come through it and shown his character really to overcome the the, the couple of mis- the few mistakes that he did have. It's not always easy as a goalkeeper; sometimes it can finish you.
3: So um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, but uh, Les Reed did a report on the players before Phil Parkinson took over, and he sort of rated all of them, and he rated uh, Christian. I, he said, actually, I think the quote was something around it, there's a fag packet between him and Leighton. So he's looked at all the stats and thinks that the Dibble is just as, or just maybe just a touch below where, where Rob Leighton's level.
2: But what do you sort of think to that? Yeah, I can, listen, we got a similar situation here with Alex Smithies and Dylan and Cardiff. I know I'm not going to talk about us, but I, I, I can understand that there'll be a marginal difference. I'd like to think that You know, given time, Christian will eventually make the number one position himself. Rob's a lovely lad. One thing they do have, those two, they have a great relationship. Not only are they big competitors, they're great friends. You know, they're great friends off the field. They're traveling together. And I think they both have the utmost respect for each other. Um, And Wrexham are lucky to have two very, very good goalkeepers.
1: Isn't, isn't Christian, by my reckoning, now one of the club's most longest-serving players? Because he's been, this will be, he joined in 2017. So this will be his fifth year at the club. Yeah. It, as, I mean, has there been any point, I think there, there was, there was had a bit of a sticky patch. I think there was not county away. And there was, there was a couple of errors that were made in, in successive games and stuff. Was there ever a point where he thought, you know what, I've just done enough with the criticism or anything like that was there ever a point you ever felt like walking away for, for, because for him to be here still five years later is testament to his strength of character to go you know what I do back myself I am good enough to be here and I'll prove it and he has
2: done that yeah I mean that's never happened where really. he uh, listen don't get me wrong I've had to pick him up and say come on you battle on he's never gone that low to say he wanted to be there uh, Times we've talked, and the only way to do this is to battle through it, and uh, it, it, it is so difficult for a young lads to young lads to come through that. But he has, but he's never thought about chucking the towel in. Um, I think his biggest thing now is trying to get back in the team. You know, he he just all he wants to do is try and play, and he knows. And the good thing is, he knows the fans are on his side now, which is a fantastic thing because at some stage, like you just rightly said, there was criticism and you know, can lead to an element of fear and going into games and unsettle your game. But he's come through that and I hope that he goes, you know, from strength to strength.
1: I think, yeah, I mean, you know, the players might have crumbled or it's, it's easy for some players to literally just hide. You know, it's a mistake or bury my head in my sand. If nothing else, he's definitely an honest pro. He holds his hands up and says, I made a mistake, I'll crack on. And he's come back stronger. Has there, has there been any particular pinpoints for him where he felt... Certain goalkeeping coaches made him a better player. I think, um, we had Sam Ricketts on last week. He mentioned you see Obviously, you're going to really sort of try and get as much experience as you can out of players like that that have been there and done
2: it. Enjoyed working with all the goalkeeping coaches. I mean, one thing I will say that we've thought about. Well, sorry, we haven't thought about. He was very disappointed on the other hand. To lose his place when they won three games on the trot or whatever it was after Robert took a knock on the head. So that is probably really hard to deal with as well, because personally, and I'm not going to tell Parky to do his job, I thought he would have stayed in the team. There's been an element of bad luck where he hasn't stayed in the team. So I know that he had the disappointment of after those games, they hadn't lost, not to stay in the team. So there's something there that needs to be um, thought about, you know?
3: And that's that's end on a, let's end on a high, let's end on where you think Wrexham can, can do the season. Um, do you think there's enough for promotion?
2: Whichever way they do, I think they're gonna get promoted. I firmly believe they will. Whether Great. it's playoffs mm-hmm. or automatic, I'm not sure, but they should, I think they're gonna have a oh.
0: Love that.
1: You can have another party at your house then, another promotion party. <laughs> I'd
2: love to come. Well, I'll be up to some of the games anyway, so I look forward to seeing you guys. Yeah. Sounds good. Great. Well, if
3: Brexton get promoted, you've got to promise us uh, Kevin Russell dressed as a, uh, as a woman. So please,
2: <laughs> I'm not make that jump. happen. By the way, but <laughs>
3: <laughs> Thanks yeah. for joining us. Cheers, Thanks, Andy. Andy, Andy thank you very much. Cheers. Yeah,
0: Andy Dibble there, uh, thanks so much to him for giving us his time. He's a busy man working at Cardiff, Sydney, so we do appreciate it. Uh, interesting what you had to say about Christian, wasn't it, Andy? Yeah, I mean, I
3: personally, I, I personally think Christian is getting better. I, I mean, before, a couple of seasons ago, if... Leighton was out for a sustained period. I worried. But I think his all-round game is getting a lot better. I think Andy mentioned a real dark time round about the, the filed where he made two two massive howlers. And I didn't think there was much coming back from that. But he's done it. He's still... You know, I was a little surprised he got a new deal. But he's here. I think when he's come in, you know, he's done all right. And remember the Bromley game where uh, where Leighton got, got KO'd? He came in and was... By far, the man of the match. So, and Kings, Kings did
0: away last season. He was, he was man of the match, probably won us the game.
3: Yeah. So, you know, if he keeps, if he keeps on improving, then, you know, it would be nice to have two, two
0: really good goalkeepers vying for number one. Okay, time for predictions, Andy. Scores on the doors. Well, it won't
3: surprise you that everyone went for a win. Uh, no one got 5-1 but I went for 4 nil, which is a 4-goal difference so I think I should get the full points is everyone nope. alright with that? No No nope. we nope. oh. anyway, Well in that case um, everyone got two points and we're all as we were so yeah Liam is last but I'm last too but I just want to break Liam's spirit now uh,
0: Alphabetically Liam is last so technically he is Yeah absolutely right mm. Uh, so, Yeovil Town. Uh, Rhys, do you want to go first? Yeah, go on then. Uh, I, I'm going to Yeovil on Saturday with about 50-odd South Wales Reds on a bus, which is starting in uh, Cardigan at 6am. Wow. And it's, uh, it'll be picking me and my old man up at Junction 47 of the M4 at about half eight. And we'll probably get to Yeovil about two minutes per kickoff, judging by the amount of stops the bus is doing uh however that'll be good uh i think uh we should oh no, i'm gonna go for a draw i'm gonna go for a one-all draw
3: yeah fair enough uh liam
4: uh, looks like eight two a... you say okay just <laughs> no. <that> down now. <laughs> it's not working um it looks like Yovel have had a pretty torrid january i'm quite confident we'll beat them two now
3: Wow, you are confident. Uh, I'm like Reese. I'm going to go for a draw. Is it nil-nil or is it two-two? I can't go one each. I'm going to go two each. A uh, Desmond, uh, Tim. Lastly, but not leastly,
0: God rest his soul.
3: Two each. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because they,
1: they, they were flying, and ever since Christmas, they've been stinking. So they've added one loads or lost loads. So it was bound to be a draw in this somewhere.
3: Well, the good thing is, if you're a bang out of form, the team that will always play you back into form is the mighty Wrexham AFC. So, uh,
0: Absolutely. Our gift to the league. And guys, if anyone listening knows who we're going to be signing over the next week or two, email us in anonymously and we'll read it out and then it won't happen probably. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week. Cheers. See you. Cheers, everyone.